Welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast, home of all things sports here in the Central Valley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to the Off the Bench Podcast. Jason, episode 16. Can't believe there's been that many. Yeah, four months of this. One a week, four, you know, 16 episodes. That's It's pretty fun. I would have never guessed it's been that long. Yeah, it, 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 you're just saying it, it feels like it's gone really quickly. Um, just feels like, it honestly feels like just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that we were uh, just kind of bouncing this idea around. Yeah, like it doesn't, it's, yeah, I'm, I, when you just told me right now, I just, like it's been that long yeah. i can't even episode 16 here we are fast time flies when you're having fun it has been fun that's for sure once again guys you know we got to keep keep bugging you keep reminding you make sure you hit that subscribe button make sure you hit that retweet button on twitter help us get the word out do us a favor if you like what you're hearing tell one person this week just go tell one person spread the word we want to we want to grow the audience here a little bit so help us out a little bit and uh, yeah, so we're just get right to it here. We uh got a fun one today. We're go- going back into basketball today. Yeah, going back to uh, back in the day, go to a little, uh, I guess like early '90s. Yeah, so a little, little 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 ways back here, guy that played at Fresno State. Gary Colson days, right? Yeah, Coach Colson days. Those are always fun. Um, it's not very often you hear hear talk about pre-Tark. No, yeah, and then. Um, one of those stories too is just kind of you know you always wondered what could have happened. Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, talk about before injuries, um, you know, before certain things, and you know, some of the stories he talks about. He talks about guys, some of the guys he went up against, and some of the guys he was playing against, and those guys are those guys are in the NBA, and you know, McDonald's All Americans, and yeah, so, some big time names. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I always like hearing stories like this too, where uh, you know guys that come out of small towns mm-hmm. came out of uh, Dos, good old Dos Palos. Yeah, you know uh, he's from Southtown Dos Palos, and you know just it's, so this is episode sixteen. We've already had two people from Dos Palos. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, Coach Coach Severns <laughs> and Coach Severns, and now we got Mister Johnny Hines. Yeah. So, but no, it was good just to talk about the Fresno State days and kind of talk about those, uh, you know, the different times and different players. And like you said, before Tark and talk about selling arena and, you know, talk about guys like Carl Ray Harris and just, you know, Lee Mayberry and Pat Riddle Springer, you know, there's those guys, you know, just to hear those names and, you know, a lot of those people are still doing great things in this community. That's what's awesome about it. We got to, we got to sit down with Pat Riddle Springer at some point. Yeah. He has some, uh, yeah, he has some unbelievable stories. His, yeah. uh, his daughter's, his daughters are doing well, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh you know, he's got another NBA guy in the in the family now too. So Yeah, got the NFL one too. Like yeah. his uh Yeah, so he got some beautiful grandkids and Yeah, be, he'd be a fun guy to talk to too. We should try to set that up. But yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, Johnny Hines, man. Um you talk about it and he talks about, you know, talks about coaching, talks about basketball. Um and you know, it's one of those stories that you know, he I've torn my Achilles. Um at least it was in the 21st century like <laughs> you know like it's the medicine and you know things where it is now compared to could not imagine like just general to having that type of injury in high school and what that does mentally for someone and 
right? Like to hear, like he talks about, you know, they, your career is over. Yeah. Can you imagine having the doctor tell you, guess you're going to have to find something else to do? You know, and definitely too, when your whole life and everything's been kind of based around basketball and like I could not imagine going through that. And, you know, he kind of talks about, you know, some of the things that he went, you know, off the court decisions that he did and choices that he made. And, you know, and so it's, it's good that he shares those with you and he's able to bring that that light of him and talk about that and, you know, share that with other people, you know, learn from his mistakes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's very open about it. And, uh, you know, if there's any kids out there listening to this, you know, he's, he's open about it partially so that you, you know, kids nowadays don't, don't make those same mistakes. No. And that's what, you know, and I love it too, that he's, you know, willing to give back to the community. And one thing I realized the man loves to drive. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And a coach. I mean, he's just, yeah. He loves, he loves giving back to the community, yeah. you know, and I think that's, you know, you need those people. You need those people. Um, those, you know, those are the ones who help out and give back, and that's what we need more of. Yeah. Maybe at some point he'll be the uh, be the head coach at Das Palace. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm, if he's at Fireball, he's at Fireball, and Kyle does a great job there and talks about his relationship with Kyle. And yeah. So. For sure. Well, uh, as far as, you know, stuff going on right now there was a big game this week we've been talking about it for a while yeah we have for about two weeks at least two weeks maybe three weeks i don't know we've been talking about it for a while and it came this past friday and it lived up to it uh, did it i mean a statement was made a statement was made um yeah Carruthers. um they they put it on them yeah yeah they put on uh Carruthers girls basketball team put it on buchanan girls basketball team and you have to imagine that solidified their spot in the uh, open division. And, you know, I don't know if Carruthers actually wants to be in the open division. Um, but I'm not sure they're going to have a choice. Based yeah, on how they're like playing. It, it solidifies them. And right. There's some rumblings going on that San Joaquin Memorial might not be in the playoffs for girls basketball. We talked about Macy, their star player leaving. She won't be here. So, you know, like and you, you kind of look at it, whereas now all of a sudden, Carruthers was probably the team look outside looking in. Now you kind of right, like you kind of put it in where it's like, all right, is as if Memorial drops out, is Carruthers now the two seed? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and they could go all the way from barely getting in to having to host. Yeah. So like you kind of look at that. Whereas, all right, let's they played three track schools or they played three games against track. They played Clovis East twice. Yeah. Beat them like combined like by sixty against East. Right. Then you played Buchanan you just smacked Buchanan by 30 or whatever it was yeah 28 30 something like that um right Buchanan split with Clovis High Buchanan also split with Clovis East you know and so it's like does Carruthers then get that nod over over Clovis High you know so yeah I don't know I would probably I would put you know the four teams you're kind of looking at right now and then you kind of have Rigetti I have not seen Rigetti play but you got to imagine they're in the mix as well and so it's does the track only does the track get two teams in? Does Clovis High have enough on their resume to get in? Yeah, right. I mean. Because I would say the three locks right now are West Memorial and Carruthers. True. But if Memorial drops out, then it's probably Clovis West, Carruthers, and then you probably Rigetti or Clovis, depending on where that goes. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. What's crazy is, I mean, those rumors that, Memorial could act, could completely drop out. I mean, even without Macy, they're still good. They're good. 
Um, I, I, I thought, you know, we've played both Clovis West and Memorial. Um, I felt that Clovis West was at least 10 points better than Memorial, but you take Macy out and yeah. it's, 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 it's probably a running clock game. That's how, that's how much of an impact she has. Are they still an open division team without? I would say you're still open division yeah. team. Um, yeah, I just don't, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it just becomes a different game. Yeah. Clovis West, you know, we've talked about this. Clovis West and Campbell, what he has built and how he runs his program. And they're, they are a well oiled machine. Yeah. I mean, it's a little cliche to say that, but there's no, they don't no have better. no weaknesses. Yeah. And they're so deep. They're so talented. You know, you, you, they legitimately have like seven girls, maybe seven, eight girls that probably, you know, can start for a lot of different teams in this section, yeah. you know? So, um, so, but yeah, they're, they're an extremely talented team. And, you know, and it's just one of those things like there's no state playoffs. So, you know, I can like this Crothers, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but I can say this much. I really, really, really want to see that Crothers Clovis West matchup. No. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Um, it's different though. Cause it's not at selling. It's not a, you know, we kind of yeah. talked about this off the record, but it, you know, they would have to go to West, you know, it's not that neutral court. It actually kind of goes back in the day when I played where yeah. it was, we didn't have the neutral court. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to see at least for the open division, you know, somebody step up and say, Hey, let's do this championship game at our school, you yeah. know, a neutral site, whether it's, you know, it could be a Hoover or a, anywhere else. Yeah. Just for the, maybe even just for the open division. But even if it has to be at Clovis West, it's the game that I want to see. No, I think, I think if you're a fan of girls basketball, that is the matchup you want to see that. If, if, you know, I, if Memorial had Macy, yeah, that would be the matchup you'd want to watch as well. But, yeah, in our section right now, those those are the three teams with the most intrigue. Yeah, you know, and it's just, you know, not not every year you, those teams are always going to play. And, um, but yeah, but then on the guy side, it's just it's looking like Memorial, St. Joe's, Clovis West, and Clovis North. I think those teams have solidified their spots in the open. I don't I don't see any movement. I don't see how there is going to be movement out of those four. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I saw St. Joe's did lose this weekend, but it was to, you know, out of state, out of section team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, I just, you know, I know Clovis North, they play Central, Clovis North and Central play, but I don't, Central doesn't have enough on their record. You know, they don't have enough, you would maybe say, comp uh, opponents or quality. You know, they just didn't, they didn't play as many games. So that'll be interesting. But so, yeah, I just, it looks like those are going to be the four teams. But the inter interesting thing will be then, you know, like what happens with Division One, um, in regards to that. I know, you know, some that's going to be kind of wide open, kind of kind of like last year with uh, like Clovis East winning it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be right there for Clovis East again to make to yeah to you have, have a chance at it. Yeah, at least. you have Clovis East, you have Bullard, um, you got some of those Central Coast teams, you know. So yeah, it'll be interesting. And then Division Three, you know, looks like possibly Bakersfield Christian and Hoover which will be a nice little repeat yeah a little rematch so and yeah so and it, yeah and it looks like that probably would be at Hoover because you know, they beat them head to head and yeah so I'm okay with it at Hoover because yeah it's just a little, little bit of travel yeah like, a little, little easier for us to yeah. get to <laughs> um but yeah so it'll be interesting and then I would have to imagine right like we kind of talked about this the other day about you know like player of the years and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get into that because of, I don't want to make anybody upset, but I have to like what Cole Anderson is doing. 
Yeah. In games, it's just flat out ridiculous. It just never stops. It's just flat out ridiculous. Every single time the man touches the floor, he's going for 30 at least. The dude has a flamethrower. It is literally a cheat code. He is a high school cheat code right now with his jumper and his shot. And yeah, it's it's just amazing to see him and just absolute fun to watch. And we have some absolutely unbelievable talent yeah. right now in our section that, you know, not a lot. It doesn't happen very often. It doesn't come around very often. You know, you talk about Memorial and their 37 division one basketball players that they have on this <laughs> roster. You know, then you talk about Clovis West, you talk about AK at North, you know, you talk about, um, at Hoover, AJ, AJ, you know, central, it's just, there's a lot of talented players yep. and you go to any high school game. These kids are putting on a flat out show. Yep. It is. It's unbelievable because it's, you know, when you play these teams and say, hey, let me, we got to stop AK. We got to stop AJ. We got to stop Cole. Memorial. Hopefully there's a flood in the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but right. Every single team, like these kids are, and it is just, it's unbelievable. And to see like Demetrius Porter literally was like Steph Curry's the AJ or he's, or Cole Anderson is the Steph Curry of this section. And it's just 100% how he moves without the ball. And then when he gets any little bit of space and just his ability to create it, it's, he's a fun player to watch. And, that's high praise, especially from from a guy like Demetrius. Yeah. He's been there, seen it all in this section, and you know, and he's li the kid's living up to it. No, it's just like you give Cole any type of space, it yeah. is, it is, it is money. Yeah, you're you're done. You yeah, I think he had a didn't he have like another game last week where he went like nine for nine in a in a quarter for three or something like that. Like, he's just ridiculous. But um, but yeah, just unbelievable. And then baseball, and we talking about different playoffs, and my man going to the semis. For tennis, <laughs> yeah, my girls got a got a win last week, six to three. Um, faced a little adversity; we were tied after singles, uh, but we went out and took care of business and swept doubles and made it look not so close. So that was a nice, uh, nice little way to open up. We had a bye, and then we got that big win. So who knows what happens this next week? But we're off to a good start. Hopefully, we can ride that wave. Hope so. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Knock on wood, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been fun. I know I uh, I didn't do anything yesterday because last week literally kicked my butt. I was just like, you know what? I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, but yeah, another busy week this week. Uh, soccer playoffs are going still, and uh, we've got some tennis playoffs. So, tennis tennis world's pretty crazy right now, actually. Yeah. Because not only do you have team playoffs, but you have individual playoffs. And so how does that work? So individual playoffs, you basically, every league has their own league tournament. Mm -hmm. And if you finish in the top four in your league, you you qualify for valleys. Oh. Or for the for the yeah. area section. Um, so the first area of the valley, you know, part of that was this last Friday. Um, and so then you have to do, basically you have to go undefeated in that tournament you have to go three and zero, and then you qualify for for Valley, oh, wow. which is this coming weekend at Buchanan, and uh, so it's the whole section. Does it does it matter what division, or is it just no? It just makes no difference what division your school you is. You could in. be Fresno Christian, Clovis North, Fireball, it, Mendota, yep. Orosi. You just yeah, you will see. It, but, basically, they look at it like once you're competing by yourself, it no longer matters what school you go to. Do you in that do they do they still keep their own score? Uh, they, they, yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, there's no umpires. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not very good at tennis, but I guarantee you, I'd have won a lot of games. <laughs> there would have been a lot of arguments, a lot of debate. Yeah, for the most part, there's uh, there's not really many issues that happen. Oh, there have been a lot of issues if I played. <laughs> um, so yeah, you. I mean, not only do you keep your own score, but you call your own lines. I'd have been like. skipping numbers. <laughs> I'd have so. been forty fifteen. But yeah, so if anybody wants to catch some really high level tennis. Buchanan Saturday, the uh, what would that be? The twenty twenty ninth, I think, twenty eighth or twenty ninth of, yeah. of of May. It will. Uh, so twenty eighth is that Friday. Saturday is the 29th. Yeah. So Saturday is going to be the the semi individual semis and finals. Oh, okay. For boys and girls, singles and doubles. Right there on the tennis courts, huh? Right there at Buchanan, and it's the highest level high school tennis you can you can imagine. So that's, I'm guessing that's an all day event. Yeah, it'll. They usually do the semis about nine in the morning, and then they Ooh. take usually about an hour break, and they play the championship matches, probably noon, one o'clock. It's supposed to be about ninety degrees too. Yeah, yeah. Better hydrate. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be unbelievable tennis out there. There will be one player missing though. Ooh. One local high school boy, who is the best player in the valley, who is doing. He's a little busy right now. San Joaquin Memorial's Ethan Quinn is in Paris right now. Playing tennis? Playing in the Junior French Open. The kid's unreal. So it's safe to say he probably would have won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he So would've... the tournament on Saturday, if you want to watch boys, is figure out who's going to be the second best player. <laughs> okay, we'll yeah. put a little asterisk next to that one. He, uh, yeah, he only played a couple, you know, when he's around, when he's in town, he plays with the Memorial Boys team. Um but he's, you know, he's he's on to bigger things. Well, that's awesome. Good for him. Best yeah. of luck. He, uh, the kid's just unreal. It's a big. You don't hear you don't hear his name very often, but it's one of the best athletic things going on in Fresno right now. I mean, he's winning. I think he's literally the number one ranked sixteen year old in America. Pretty impressive, right? Fresno's doing some big things, right? You hear about Jalen all the time. Right, he was doing big wow. things, going to the NBA, but you don't hear about Ethan Quinn very much. But oh, he's the number one 16-year-old tennis player in the country. Wow, that's so, impressive. Yeah, good luck to him. We'll see how he does. He's off at the, like I said, an, I believe he left a couple of days ago to go to Paris to play in the the Junior French Open. That's awesome. And then I believe he's playing in the uh, Junior Wimbledon later this summer. So kids doing uh, kids doing okay for himself. Next. Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi. Hopefully. That's pretty as much as I know about tennis (laughs) players. And the Joker. A big fan of the Joker. Yes. He's fun to watch. Um, Novak Djokovic. Yeah, the the tennis Joker. Not... I do know, you know, Jokic as well. You got to be careful. (laughs) It's true. We got a little basketball (laughs) audience here. You're referring to Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's, uh, you know, Buchanan's a place to be this weekend in the tennis world. That's where I will be. I don't have any athletes competing anymore. But uh, that's you got to be there to watch yeah, it. Yeah, so. and I think, right, so this is the last week for basketball for the regular season, and I believe playoffs will be starting the following week here in June. Yeah, and I think baseball might be on that same yeah, timeline. So I think so. So that'll be fun, interesting to yeah. kind of see the seedings, and so we'll have a lot to talk about about that. That's always a fun day when those brackets come Oh, out. and then also I forgot, uh, Central, girls, they're, I, I think we are their first game Tuesday. In basketball? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I don't know if they got the memo or they're just starting a little late. I don't know. I don't. Uh, how does, 
How does that even happen? I don't know, but (laughs) we're playing them Tuesday, so. Talk about having a a hard time seeding them for playoffs. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing playoffs or, (laughs) I don't know, so it'll be, yeah. You might as well jump in at this point. (laughs) Why not? Your playoff run could quadruple the amount of games you play. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's weird. I don't, you know. All right. But, yeah, they'll, so, yeah. Good for Central. Yeah. Figuring it out. I guess. Better late than never, right? Yeah, and you never know what the the issues. Are yeah, I don't, I don't know what their issues are, but it's good. I'm glad they're at least get some games something. in, and yeah, kick a little kick off to the summer program yeah. or something. So yeah, I mean, it could have been a testing issue or something. Yeah, they who knows? We've we've heard all different stories about schools and different, even just within schools, different programs and stuff. So yeah, who knows? Fireball out there still shutting it down, and yeah. They even they even shut down practice. They're not. They yeah, they're like they're only like able to practice like two hours a week or and, something like and that. And then even yeah. after, I think now they've even can't shut yeah. that down. So I don't know. It's kind of struggle bus out there for Kyle. Yeah, it's it's just weird. <laughs> it's just a weird season. It is, man. It's, it's just so a weird, weird season. But so. you know, it's fun because when we talked about when we first, that's crazy. When we first started talking about this podcast, we didn't even have any really any sports. Yeah. Like now, we're all of a sudden have stuff to talk about. So it's fun. You got spring football starting and everything. So. Yeah, it's it's fun times and yeah, we had some uh, some big uh, stuff on TV yesterday. The uh, Fresno State softball, did you see that? I did not. So they uh, they're in the NCAA tournament. Oh, nice! They went down. They got put in a really tough regional. Oh, they had to go to UCLA, where UCLA is the number two overall seed in the country. Mm. Um, so they had to play a ranked Minnesota team on Friday. I think. Okay. They beat them three zero. And then, uh, then last night, so we're recording this Sunday afternoon. So Saturday uh, afternoon, they had to play UCLA, and it was tied at zero into the sixth inning. They play seven. Fresno State scores, goes up one zero, and then in the top of the seventh, they gave up one run, and it goes into extra innings, and they wound up losing it in extra innings. It was double elimination though, correct? Yeah, and then they so they had to come back later that night. It's tough though. And, yeah, and when you yeah. they were they were two outs away from knocking off UCLA, and then they had to come back later that night and play Minnesota again, and they dropped that one. Mm, so it's tough. they're out now. They were two outs away from being in the driver's seat, sitting in the championship, uh, you know, championship game there of the regional, but wasn't meant to be. Didn't happen. It's all right. And then uh, another right. another thing that didn't go the Valley's way. Uh, Jose Ramirez fought. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the whole thing. It was, uh, you know, he looked good for a while there, and then he got knocked down a couple times. and yep. never quite looked the same. But that dude's a beast. Yeah, yeah. I just loved it. You know, I've I, it's the first time I've ever actually sat down and watched a full fight of his, and I just love his. You know, when he gets introduced in the ring, there, it's from Avenal. Yep. But representing the entire. Oh yeah, you Central look at his Valley. shorts. Yeah. yeah, Fresno coin. Fresno coin on his shorts. Yeah, yeah, like it's 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 yeah it's and wonderful pistachios yep. all over his stuff. You know they're another Valley yeah. Valley company. So yeah, it's just really cool. He he represents the Valley with pride. No, he really does, and heck of a boxer. Yeah, and you know, multi champion. So yeah, you know, yeah, you tip your hat to him. It's it's one of those things too about boxing. It's not many people, <laughs> you know, can stay undefeated and go that you know that whole route. And Seriously. S- when it comes, definitely, it's Father Time's definitely going to catch up with you. Yeah. Sooner than that. But yeah, 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 just I could see him getting a rematch here. In this. Oh, he'll definitely get a rematch. Yeah. Definitely, definitely get a rematch. It That's, was a, it was a good enough fight to where 
well, he's defending, you know, like they're always going to, I think, I think this, they usually put that in the contract. If you, you know, if you're yeah. the champ and you lose, you get that rematch. Yeah. So that was, it was, uh, you know, didn't go his way, but it was a fun fight still. And yeah, so this, you know, could be the possibility of a trilogy because if he wins and that'd be good for boxing too. Cause yeah. it was just, you know, boxing's not in the greatest spot right now. No, I need the, need a little rivalries. Yeah. They, you kind of have that in the heavyweight division, but, um, outside of that, yeah, out of outside of Tyson Fury, there's not a not a whole lot going on there. So if they could get a big trilogy, that would be that'd be good for boxing. Yep, and good for the Valley. Yes, but yeah. So uh, all right, we got Johnny Hines today. Big Johnny Hines. Big Johnny. This man is he's huge. Big man. I don't understand how he fits in that truck. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. He got to be all the way back. All the, and he spent so much time in it. Yes, <laughs> driving all over the place. I thought that was yeah, just great man though. Great man, great story. Um, cannot thank him enough, you know, taking the time. and But, yeah, just it's just one of those, you know, like what could have been. Yeah, seriously. It's a good story. Um, and once again, guys, hit subscribe, yep. like and subscribe, all that stuff. Hit hit the retweet button. Help us get the word out. And uh, tell one person this week. Tell, tell one person. Spread the word. We're trying to, uh, we love you guys out there for listening. We're yeah. just trying to, uh, you know, keep growing a little bit here. So. Yeah. And thank you for, you know, those who respond and, you know, f- tag us and stuff, social media. We appreciate that. T- Tuesdays are the funnest days on social media just because, you know, we get to interact with you guys and, you know, get just seeing all the tweets come through and it's always a fun time on Tuesdays. So yep. we love it. Keep it up. Let us know, uh, you know, let us know what you're thinking out there. If you guys got any ideas for us, somebody we should talk to, reach out. You know, let us know what you want to hear. So, anyways, let's get right to it. We got uh, episode 16 here, Johnny Hines. Here we go. Welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast. Jason, we got a, uh, we're going back to basketball today. Yes, yes. We got a big man. Yeah, big man. Yeah, six foot ten. And uh, yeah, we're going to hear some good stories today out of, uh, you know, another another Dos Palos native. I got it. You know, since I married into DP Dos yeah. Palos, I got You know, got to show some love for the people out True. in Dos Palos. Yeah. So we, you know, we talked to Dave Severns, who's uh, grew up out there. And uh, now we got Mr. Johnny Hines. Johnny, how are you doing today? All right, how you guys doing? You got to be the biggest person to ever come from Dos Palos, right? I I can't imagine there's a bunch of like six ten guys walking around in Dos Palos. Yeah, couldn't get no trouble around here. <laughs> knew who I was. <laughs> no, there was no hiding you, huh? That's right. Yep, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how does your uh, how does your basketball life start? I guess let's go back in time here. Well, you know, I'm, I'm from a football town, so yeah. Uh, coming up, you know, in Pop Warner, I was always a manager or, you know, helping out the ball boy because I was, a, you know, the weight limit. So, you know, I had to turn to basketball. And my uncles out of the Bay Area, you know, played up in, you know, Redwood City, and they were basketball players. And, and, you know, they put a ball in my hand at a young age, and it started from there. And just something to do and stay out of trouble. And, you know, I never knew or imagined that I turned out to be, you know, kind of as good as I got to be, you know. But... You know, like I said, then when I got to high school, first thing I did was step on the football field. And being from Dallas, I had to give it a shot. And I believe it or not, I got my first recruit letter, not for basketball, but for football, <laughs> tied in. Oh, so wow. It was kind of weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird uh, when I quit playing football because, you know, the D1 basketball coaches was like, hey, yo, 
career with basketball, maybe not football. And you're going to get hurt playing football, you know, knee damage or anything else. And my junior year, I ended up tearing my Achilles, not in football, but playing basketball. <laughs> so, you know, it just kind of worked out that way with me ending up playing basketball because I couldn't play a uh, pop one football. <laughs> so have you, so I'm guessing you were all, were you just like a good, like six inches taller than everyone else? Like pretty much like your whole life? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think my growth spurt hit me between my seventh and eighth grade year. I went from like six, one, six, two to six, eight overnight seemed like, you know, so by the time I left the eighth grade, I was six, eight coming into high school. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. But, you know, I come from a family of tall people. You know, my dad was 6'5", my mom's 6'2". My dad had sisters down south. You know, I met one of them a couple of years ago for the first time. She's (laughs) 6'6". Oh, wow. Yep, so I was destined to be tall. So how was your coordination going? Because, you know, a lot of times you have, you know, kids, basketball, they hit those growth spurts, big kids, tall kids. Like their fine motor skills usually are sometimes lacking. How are your fine motor skills? How is your ability to like catch a football or just your ability. Sometimes big kids just can't make, it seems like they can't walk and chew gum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So being, being from Dallas College, you know, at a young age, you, back when kids would actually go outside and play, <laughs> we were playing football in the streets every day or whatever sport was in season, we were playing that sport. So, you know, just coming up young, playing sports and, you know, my whole life, whether on the streets or, you know, in an organized situation, uh, you know, that, that agility and everything else came along with it, you know, just, my coordination was kind of off, so they, you know, I remember coaches giving me jump ropes as far back then, you know, in the seventh grade and agility drills and simple things to get that coordination going. So I was, I was pretty good when it came to that area. Okay, so I was listening to uh, All the Smoke podcast, and they had an interview with Shaq, and Shaq talked about when he was younger because he was so much bigger than everyone, he didn't have great coordination that he would get made fun of because how big he was and were you ever was ever a time where like kids would pick on you or like demand more out of you when you guys were playing sports just because how much bigger and they thought you should dominate more i tell you i had a brother i got two brothers one he played football at Fremont state back in the day when you know when they were just like grown men playing football then i had another brother my oldest six one six two that played every sport and excelled at it but just wouldn't step on the floor at the high school level would take me down as a youngster because I was bigger and played with all the grown guys and just made sure he demanded a lot of it. He made me get in the paint all the time, go down there. I was getting my butt kicked. You know, <laughs> them older guys were just a lot stronger than me at that time. And that's that's what I think really helped me is them taking me out of young age to the gym and playing the paint with all them older, bigger guys just kind of got me going on the right track. Going up, up against all that grown man strength. Oh, yeah. I mean, them guys were pushing, shoving, you know, and it, it was just a good time, though, you know, and it, it taught me, you know, because I was, you know, I'm, nowadays you don't really have a predominantly big man that just stays in the paint, you know, and mm-hmm. me being 16 in high school, I just lived in the paint, you know, I, I could shoot the 12 to 15 footer, but mainly it was just in the paint. Nobody can hold you in the paint, you know, guys were playing against a 6'1 and 6'2, so I was just a predominantly post player. <laughs> Dang. All right, so you had that growth spurt pretty early, like you said. So how old were you when you first dunked a ball? Uh, coming out of the seventh grade. I mean, I could get up there and dunk it, but it seemed like I was getting up too high. And, I, I, you know, me and the, <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. You know, I'm going to admit that. And <laughs> back then, it was like, man, just dunk it, just dunk it. And, you know, I started going to Fresno State camps coming out the seventh and eighth grade. And the guy was like, man, quit doing those layups and just start dunking it. You know, I had a – for a big guy, I had a pretty good vertical back in the day, you know. But, yeah, so coming out the seventh grade, I can remember – 
our eighth grade team going undefeated and we're playing in tournaments and they're throwing me lobs and I'm getting dunks on the break press. And it was just wild, you know, to see an eighth grade gym out in the area I live in or some of the other little smaller towns, just like people waiting to come in and see me play. It was, it was crazy, man. <laughs> that yeah. is unbelievable. That is so awesome. All right. So mm-hmm. you go into Das Palace, you're going into high school, right? You talked about you playing football. I can't imagine whoever the basketball coach is is probably too thrilled that you're playing bass or playing football. Mm-hmm. He was a football coach too, you know. Back oh. in the day, guys get these jobs at the high, uh, you know, the high school level. They're coaching everything, you know, to make ends meet. And he was a receiver coach, so he loved it, you know. Oh and, yeah. But at the same time, they would never let me play defense because they didn't want me to get chopped blocked or anything like that. So I was just a tight end, you know, and it it was fun. But you know, he. Coming out of eighth grade, he really kind of had to keep an eye on me. You know, I was playing summer league with him and everything because there was so many coaches around the valley knocking at my mom's front door trying to get me to go to these bigger schools, you know. And I got to hand it to my coach. I had a good high school coach. He never got a lot of credit, not just for me, but, you know, the fundamentals he installed in us, uh, you know, teaching us the man-to-man defense. And just we just never could get past that hump, you know, when it came to the semifinals. You know, some of the other teams were just a little stronger than us. So what you played football, who was the first school? You said your first recruiting letter was in football. Who was that? Do you remember who the school was? Yeah, yeah it was uh, Kyle Berkeley, you know, back when, you know, the Pac-12 now, Pac-10 yeah. was uh, utilizing the tight end a lot. And uh, it was like USC, Cal Berkeley, uh, University of Washington. And it was like most of the Pac-10 schools coming at me back then, Pac-12 now. And yeah, they were just, they started my freshman year. My first letter was for football. I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so you're playing basketball, and then you said you end up tearing your Achilles. I've torn my Achilles. I also tore it when I was 33. Not, I could not imagine tearing that in high school. How was the oh, recovery? Man. And definitely, too, was, science has you know gotten so much farther now. Like, how was that for you? I'll tell you what. It was. This was probably I was in the best shape of my life. I played the summer circuit, the AAU ball, played against you know. Only one I never went against was Shaquille O'Neal, but you know, like Ed O'Bannon back in the day, uh, Lawrence Funderburg ended up Ohio State big lefty at the mm-hmm. Kings, Cherokee Park, Aaron Meek guys that got multiple rings with Duke and a couple of you know years in the NBA, playing against all them, playing for like like basketball just like two years straight, and I get a, this is probably my junior year preseason game against Washington Union. Had never beat them. Played on my freshman year, lost. Two times. My sophomore year, we lost three times to them. Playoffs, preseason, HIT tournament. This was finally the year for us to beat them, I believe. And uh, right after halftime, I think I had 20, I had like 20, 26 points, about 10 rebounds. Uh, but I had three fouls, came back after the second half, stepped on the floor and was backpedaling and ruptured my Achilles. And I didn't know what the heck that was back then, you know. And I, we ended up losing the game. All I wanted to do was beat them, which was finally been one one win out of probably, you know, 10 losses. And it, from down there, it was just downhill, man. And I tried to get back in the game after they iced it. And my coach, one of the other coaches kind of seen the injury before. And I stood up and my whole heel was hanging because, you know, it completely torn half. Yeah. And I was just, it was like, well, you might not ever play again. And, you know, then that's when I started really hitting alcohol. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I can. So at this time, I imagine you're starting to get, you're starting to get some buzz. You're talking about some of these guys you're playing against Cherokee parks. Then like those guys are overall McDonald's, all Americans. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was a only reason I didn't play in the game because of the Achilles injury. You know, I got the Hunter free big Macs and uh, my uh, plaque and all that other good stuff. Just missed the game because, you know, I think I rehab 
like between the surgeries and the rehab and all that, I was out like a year and a half, you know, and, you know, just drinking and hanging out and ballooned up probably 70 pounds, you know, and yeah, it, it was devastating. <laughs> so who were, who were the colleges recruiting you at this time? Oh man, it, it, it's a crazy story. My coach, he, uh, he talked with a lot of D1 college, uh, college coaches and a lot of, you know, bigger high school coaches that had kids getting recruited. And one of the bigger guys that helped him out was John Pestris at that time from Washington Union. And he would not let me see any of the letters, kept everything away from me, all the recruitment buzz, even though, you know, the college coaches would call the house every Saturday. And I remember one day, finally, he said, you need to narrow it down to 10 schools. He comes to my mom's house in his pickup truck. This pickup truck is loaded with nothing but boxes of recruitment letters and any and every school you can think of. And I narrowed it down to my 10. And then, of course, from the 10, I knocked it down to five. But one of the first guys that came after me was crazy. We were, I was playing against Sean Bradley out in uh, Vegas. And I uh, got player of the game against big Sean Bradley. And uh, seven foot six, you know. And here I am yeah. from Dallas Palace, 6'10". And, I mean, I had probably my best game ever. First guy that gives me a recruit letter passes it from my AAU coach then was Steve Cleveland and Ron Moore. And okay. you know how far they go back yes. from Fresno Tide. And uh, he said, here, here's a letter. I'm like, who's this for? I looked to the left. Rick Pitino, when he just landed the job at Kentucky, before Louisville. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so it, it was fun, man. You know, I got to meet, like, Tim Grigorich. He would come from UNLV when he was with Tark, you know, the guy with the Argyle sweaters. Mm -hmm. And he's like a basketball genius, you know, the amoeba guy. He would come to my high school at 7 in the morning, you know, 7.30, get in and get out. And here's a, here's a name, Bill Frieder, Arizona State, and left Michigan. When they had Glenn Rice, Ramil Robinson, and Lloyd Vault, he leaves Michigan for Arizona State, and they ended up winning the uh, national title with uh, Steve Fisher being the head coach. Well, he's here in Dos Palos when they had payphones in front of the little liquor store. He's on the payphone. One of my friends recognized him as Bill Frieda, the coach from Michigan, now at Arizona State, looking for my house on a, <laughs> on a payphone in the middle of Dos Palos. <laughs> so it awesome. was crazy, man. That recruitment thing was something else. Did you go on recruiting visits? Did you go on your recruiting trips? Yeah, when I, when I went to Arizona State, after Bill Frieder got the job there, uh, a guy by the name of um, Isaac Austin picked me up. Oh, yeah. And he had Valley Ties. He, really he, college. He played for sale. Yeah. He he played. He was at Arizona State then, had come out of what they call Reedley College now, which was actually Kings, Kings River. Yep. Yep. He played for Keith Hughes. Mm -hmm. And after I tore my Achilles, all the JUCO coaches wanted me to kind of go to JUCO, right? And... I can remember taking uh, some of my friends down to Kings River and hanging out. And I met Isaac Austin when he was there. And it's funny, he picked me up at the airport at Arizona State, you know, with Bill Frieder. And, and it, was, it was just crazy. So when I came from Arizona State after that recruit trip, I was going to Arizona State. I verbally committed to them and everything and ended up going with Fresno State the very last minute. So you said uh, when you when you eventually did narrow that down, your list of schools down to five schools, who were those mm -hmm. final five choices? Oh, UNLV, Arizona State, Fresno State, uh, University of Arizona, when Lou Olson and they had a guy by the name of Jesse Evans, who just treated me real good as assistant coach uh, with Bill, uh, no, with uh, Lou Olson back then, and the University of Washington. Okay, so and you were. Oh, but I really wanted to go here, I forgot. Seton Hall was my first choice. PJ Parlissimo was the head coach there, and he treated me real well. Uh, but. You know, after I tore my Achilles, I kind of didn't go to school no more. Didn't take the SAT or the ACT serious. And Seton Hall is more of a private school back then. And 
I wanted to play in the Big East because of the big man roles they played, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The big, so, yeah. You had, you had, you just had uh, Alonzo Mourning, right? You would have played against Alonzo Mourning then, right? At Georgetown? Mm, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. He was probably two years older than me. I never played him in, against him in high school, but I played against some of the other fellas. I think Othella Harrington was coming in uh, Georgetown at that time, okay. right after Alonzo. And yeah, Seton Hall, because of PJ Carlissimo, he was real. Real good guy with me, man. You know, my coach liked him, and I liked the Big East, like I said, because of the big man role that it just felt, you know, felt good. But after, I, you know, my grades and all that other good stuff, they they had to let go, you know. So when you tear your Achilles, I cannot imagine tearing my Achilles because you, I'm guessing this is like 1990, 89 when, when you tore your Achilles? Yep, uh, yep January 1990, yep. Right okay. into my junior, middle of my junior season. Mm -hmm. Just trying to do my math in the head real quick. Um, <laughs> yep. So, like, you tear it. What is it like? What is your mindset? Because I have to imagine at that time, right? Like, that is at that time. Those are like that's an injury where people start talking about career ending. Yeah, and, and me being from Dallas Palace, I, you know, they had a little hospital here, and the doctor on call that night was like, "Well, let's put you know, you might as well put an end to your career." And I'm like, "What?" You know, back then, you know, that's career ending. Yeah. And, you know how they say the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, I meet a doctor who uh, had done some surgery on a few other big time athletes from the Valley used to work for the U S Olympic ski team named uh, Scott Southern out of Madera was working at Madera community. I meet him. He does my Achilles surgery for free. I get physical therapy for free. Uh, he ended up leaving the Valley going back to Salt, uh, South Lake Tahoe, where the U S Olympic skiing uh, uh, trained at sometimes. I go into his office. I remember my mom and dad, you know, they took me because they wanted to go hang out, you know, do a little gambling. <laughs> and I go into the doctor's office and I'm looking around his office. I'm like, huh? I'm looking at pictures of Shaquille O'Neal, Stanley Roberts. Then he makes a phone call. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, Dale Brown is one of my good friends, the head coach at LSU at the time. I told him I'll put you back together. And he said, if you want to go down there, Shaq is supposed to be leaving to go to the lead, him and Stanley Roberts. And you can get a chance down in LSU at Baton Rouge. I'm like, what? And it it was crazy, man, the way it worked out, you know? That is crazy. So I have a question, right? You are the man of the town, the man of the city, right? You're playing against all mm -hmm. these who's who's of basketball players. And I got to imagine anything and everything you wanted in Das Palace, you were able to get. But well, that's not necessarily true. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Uh, I hung out in Fresno a lot, you know, because of the AAU team, you yeah. know, was based out of Fresno. And I don't know, for some reason, Dallas Palace, it just never really, and I stayed here my whole four years, never wanted to leave, wanted yeah. to bring a, you know, a Valley Championship for basketball here, never got a chance to be the head coach here. And, you know, I've done some things that were questionable, but as a man, I, you know, I, you know, I also did some other things that's a little bit more positive that people might should look at and think at, you know, he, you know, I've been to rehab. We can talk about that in a minute. But, you know, and I just got treated a lot better in Fresno all the time. Like anything I wanted or needed in Fresno, it was there for me, you know, yeah. even after I quit playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. So w when you tore your Achilles, did you then start, I imagine there had to be some type of like depression that went on. That's probably what led to your drinking. But could you just say, could you tell like friends, you know, I imagine there were people that you started to realize who really, you know, who, who your real friends are and who just oh was trying to climb, yep. you know, just trying to climb the money tree. Yeah. Cause you know, Dallas Files are kind of seg segregated. Yep. A lot of people don't know that, you know, I live in an area that's got a different. Zip Southtown. Code the, there you go. I'm you know, born and raised in Southtown. 
And during my heydays of basketball, I kind of, you know, stopped hanging with some of the guys I grew up with, right? And it was hanging, you know, down in the other side of town and partying with, you know, some of the richer, older guys, you know, because of basketball. But after I tore my Achilles, I found myself hanging right back out in my neighborhood with the guys that I had grown up with and kind of pulled away from, you know? Mm -hmm. And even when I went to Fresno and started playing at Fresno State, when I came back home, I probably shouldn't have hung with that group that I grew up with, but I still would come back home because of the way they treated me when I did tear my Achilles, you know? Yeah. And like I said, you kind of find out who your true friends are, who got your back and who don't, you know? And that was a big eye opener for me. And around that time, that's when I really, I mean, I, here I am on crutches six, seven months. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, drinking like, man, I mean, just putting it down, pounding it. And I, I got to imagine that was the reason I was doing all that drinking, you know? What was uh, your drink of choice back then? Uh, we were talking about this the other day, me and one of my buddies. Uh, we were drinking 40 ounces all the time. You know, old English 800. That's around the time when NWA and yep. all that comp and drinking the old English, the 40 ounces and all that. that we didn't is, know anything about that. That stuff pack. is terrible, too. That stuff is <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine sipping one of those nowadays. <laughs> yep. Mm hmm. And then, you know, after all, anyway, I had two kids by the time I was 20. I'm playing at Fresno State with one that's two years old and another, you know, on the way. So it was, it was kind of tough for me, man. Even I just, I put, I put a lot of pressure on myself and made situations for me a lot more worse than what they should have been. Is that one of the reasons why you chose Fresno state knowing that you had a kid yep. and then yep. just being close mm -hmm. at home? That makes total sense. Yep. At the end of the day, because uh, Arizona state had a, a good situation for guys that come in, you know, maybe had families and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but at the time my kid's mom didn't want to leave. Even when I left Fresno state, here's a good story for you. When I, when I quit Fresno State or got thrown out, because they, they used to call this the Johnny Hines rule. My first year at Fresno State, I passed seven units, right? Came in at Prop 42, not a Prop 48, a Prop 42. Uh, I passed seven units my freshman year. I go to summer school at Fresno City from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night. Took 17 units <laughs> to get eligible. Then a year later, remember, they made that new rule. You can no longer go to summer school and take more than, what, nine units to get back eligible. Yeah. And that ended up hitting me after my sophomore year. And I had a guy come from Arizona Western out in uh, Yuma, Arizona. He drove all the way up to come get me to go down there. They got dorms for married people like me and all that good stuff. His brother called me. <laughs> Crazy story. This guy was a young, upcoming basketball coach. Him and his son drives out. Then he puts me on the phone with his brother. His brother was the vice president and general manager at the time of the Atlanta Hawks, a guy named uh, Pete Babcock. He was like, come play with my brother, get your grades back going. If you don't want to continue with college, I can get you somewhere overseas. Maybe one day you can end up out here and get a tryout with us or something. But once again, didn't leave. And after that, I went to driving trucks for five years. Okay, so I, I know what Prop 48 is. What is Prop 42? Uh... My, it was more of my core classes, my grades, okay. uh, my uh, college prep classes. Yeah, Prop 48 was more with the SAT and the yeah. ACT. 42 was with the grades. There was a few classes I couldn't take over, and my GPA for the uh, core curriculum, college prep classes didn't uh, add up. Okay. So, and it, go ahead. Go it ahead, was me and a guy, a guy from uh, Manual Arts came in with me. We were both kind of in the same situation, and we became good friends, right? And, uh, he ended up leaving Fresno State, going back to uh, Long Beach City for two years. He became the state Juco Player of the Year, back to back with two state championships at Long Beach City. <laughs> yep. Dang. All he right. Ended up, mm -hmm. 
So you play for Gary Colson mm-hmm. during this time. You go. So your first year, are you just kind of like academically ineligible? Or yep, 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 and just hung out. Uh, we'll go to the gym once in a while, play. I remember sitting on the corner of Cedar and Shaw while I lived in the apartment with my brother and some other friends. Uh, <laughs> we'd be out on the curb drinking party balls of beer back then. You know, the little smaller kids they call them party balls. I'd look up and see some of the guys that I played with jogging and working out, getting that extra in, and I'm sitting on the curb drinking. <laughs> so at this time, you enroll at Fresno State. You you're not allowed to play, right? You had the Achilles injury. So in reality, you hadn't played basketball in two and a half years. Okay, I did play 10 games my senior year, but that was it at the end. Oh, okay. Not, not, maybe not even 10 games. So I ended up coming back at the very end of my senior career, in high school, I mean, my high school career, and maybe eight games or six games. And then after that, you know, yeah, I didn't play again for like a, a whole year. Yeah, so yeah, it was almost two years off. Wow. And I, you know, I went from 260 pounds to, to like 300 and... By the time I touched the floor at Fresno State, I was probably 375. Dang. That's like a a six-foot-10 offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. I remember Jim Sweeney at the time was the head coach, and one of my brother's best friends was the D-line coach he had played at Fresno State with. was like, you should have stuck with football. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. All right, so just talk about your time at Fresno State. Talk about playing for Coach Colson. We had Dominic Young on here, and Dom Young, just absolutely raved about Coach Colson and just his relationship with him and talked about how when he got fired, he cried, but how much Gary Colson meant to him and the things, the little things that he would do for for Dom. What about you? Can you tell us some good Gary Colson stories? When Colson got the job at Fresno State, that was like right at the beginning of my senior year. And he had, you know, the, probably the man that taught me to play basketball was Ron Adams, to be truthful. Because at that young age, he was running all the Fresno State camps when I was going, you know, in the mm-hmm. seventh and eighth grade. And, you know, he's big on fundamentals, and I'm glad I got a chance to meet him. And, you know, he stuck with me from like a, Ron Adams knew me since the seventh, you know, seventh grade. So when, when Ron Adams left and Colson came in, Colson had never seen me play, heard about me, never really, you know, seen me play because, you know, he wasn't coaching as a head coach two years before Fresno State. And, he come to he come out here to Dallas Palos, and he go to the, the first thing he did was go to the cafeteria because we had these rules in the cafeteria that everybody just raved about. And I'm like, who is this guy? And he's like, he's the head coach at Fresno State. I'm like, what's he doing in the cafeteria there? He making a recruit trip here to see me and end up in the cafeteria all the time. And he he was genuine though, you know what I mean? And he was a good guy. His wife was a nutritionist, would take me grocery shopping when I got to Fresno State, treating me real good. Uh, we had a Zoom session with Colson about six months ago. I was down in Florida, and those guys still treat me like if I, you know, went to Fresno State four years and had a good time with them. They still real respectful. And Brian Santiago, you know, the athletic director at BYU, took care of me a few times down there at some football games, whatever I needed. And, but Gary Colson, just, he was just a real genuine guy, you know, and I just didn't get it back then because I was hard-headed. He gave me so many chances, and I just never, you know, took advantage of them. Yeah, but he told me a story. He said, Johnny, I'd always make the drive from uh, Los Angeles to Las Vegas and stop in Barstow to get gas. He said, uh, I had a guy that was like seven foot tall, and I told him, if you don't go to class and do this, you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. He says he pulls into this uh, fueling station, and there's that seven foot guy pumping the gas, at working at a gas station because he never went to class, you know. And 
<laughs> I started truck driving and I remember that story when I stopped in Barstow one night to get some fuel, you know, and I was like, man, <laughs> yep. but he, he genuinely cared about his players, man. That's one thing I will tell you about Gary Colson. If he had you there, you were family, you know, and he treated, you know, I was a young guy. I had a lot of animosity at first until I got, you know, figured it out. You know, he even had my mom and dad in there all the time talking to my kid's mom and, you know, Johnny can pave his own way. He just got to go to class. <laughs> no, that's yep. great. So your first year at Fresno State, you right, you have guys like Carl Ray Harris on that team, Will Hooker, Pat Riddlesberger, right? Those are all you have those type of guys on that team. What was it like playing with them? Oh, man, those guys, man. Pat, Pat was a under under undersized post player, but he was strong in that paint. You know, he was just a a bruiser. And then you got Will. You know, Will knew all the mechanics of basketball, the fundamentals. His jump shot was perfect. You know, he. But he was a good guy on the floor, and he would push you and demand a lot because Will Hooker worked hard. And then you got Carl Ray. A lot of people thought you know, Carl Ray was a great athlete, but Carl Ray would be one of them guys I see on the off days running a few miles and telling me to, you know, put that beer down and run with me. You know, Carl Ray worked hard in the weight room and, you know, conditioning and all that other good stuff. And I don't know if you know, uh, remember Officer Lee Mayberry. Yep. He was in there from Wyoming, and, you know, he could run the floor like a gazelle and jump and block shots. and. And we we had a we had a squad. We had a couple of guys that come out of Utah Valley, you know, and came to Fresno State from Utah, and, and it, it was fun. It was real. We if we we had a guy that's a New York legend. I don't know if a lot of people remember. They call him Up North Seth Marshall. He's a streetball legend from New York. He was there. We had a team man that probably could have competed uh, in the NCAA tournament down the line. It's funny because you you name off that roster. That's some there's some influ influential dudes that are still around here doing doing some big things. Oh yeah, I mean you know Pat. Uh, I see him once in a while. You know he working still for the office of education. And, yeah. You know you know you know what Will Hooker did and Carl Ray. He's still a big name being from Fresno and Lee Mayberry. You know, you know, he, you know a lot of people keep him under the radar, but Lee's a you know real good family guy. You know he was a Fresno PD at one time and. uh I mean, Brian Santiago, you know, he's an athletic director at BYU now. Uh, it was a kid that came from Canada named Travis Still, was like the Juco player of the year, six foot seven, that just could score in the paint at will. And we had, I mean, <laughs> that team was loaded. Seth Marshall, DeAndre Austin played with Ed O'Bannon at Artesia High, two uh, state championships with uh, Avondre Jones, 6'11, was a freshman on that team when DeAndre Austin came to us, you know. We had, we were loaded. <laughs> we were loaded. Jason, I don't know if you remember this, Jason. About a year ago on Twitter, Fresno State did that uh, that competition for like the best basketball player. Where, uh, Giannis, <laughs> yeah, Giannis sabotaged it. <laughs> the, the, the whole competition came out that it, I, Riddlesberger wound up being the best uh, the best player in school history. That was sabotage, Giannis. <laughs> that thing got sabotaged. Yeah. Yeah, Pat was a bruiser, though, man. He was he was a real good competitive guy, you know. And he like I said, he was undersized in the paint, you know, but he. He did a good job with stick some of the best big men in the country, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you're at Fresno State. You play. You finally are able to play. What was that like, though? Finally being able to get on the court and play. Was it everything oh, you imagined, or? Man, growing up down there, watching Southern Arena, going to those games as a kid, and come, I remember coming off the bench, my first time stepping on that floor, being a Valley kid, close to Fresno. Man, that roar from the crowd, you know, my conditioning was off because I was a lot heavier then, but that roar from the crowd and all those family and friends that I had in the stands, 
just, you know, I didn't even care about conditioning. And then I'd go out there and give them my all, and it was just everything I imagined it would be, man. I loved it. I really did love it. <laughs> That's cool, man. As You know, I grew up in the Valley, too, so, you know, I never really played basketball. But you, I can imagine that being a Valley kid and, you know, just going there, I, I can imagine how special that would be. That's cool. Oh, it was fun, man. I got a chance, you know, during that year and a half or whatever to play against some of the, you know, best players in the WAC. You know, you, you're talking about Theo Ratliff taking off on the middle of the key trying to dunk on me one day, and I had, you know, had no choice but to foul him. You know, he ended up with a good NBA career, you know. Uh, University of Utah had a kid named Josh Grant, 6'10", ended up with the Warriors a few years. So when we first, that first year, when I actually did play with it, we were the first team to play in the WAC. You know, the real whack, the original Western mm-hmm. Athletic Conference. The basketball team was the first team to actually get into the whack before football, you know, because they had to wait that following season. And that's what BYU, Utah, Don Haskins, that was alive then at, El, at UTEP, El Paso, uh, New Mexico. The pit was, the pit was yeah, a tough place to play. Man, I get tired before we hit the floor playing at the pit. <laughs> yeah. Coming out the locker room, just making it to the floor. <laughs> yeah, people forget, like, Rick Majerus is at Utah. You know, Utah ends yeah. up with Keith Van Horn, mm-hmm. Andre right Miller. Keith Van Horn. Yeah. That Josh Grant was a kid kind of like Keith Van Horn. Six foot ten, stroke to three, good handle. And I remember him because him and Keith Van Horn were similar players, you know. And it was just, it was wild, man. You, you know, you go to the Marriott Center and, and, and Provo. Then you, you drive a few miles up the road to Salt Lake City and you play them. It's like, man, I mean, coming from Dos Collins, <laughs> that was really big time, you know? Dang. All right, so what happens? What well, happens after your sophomore year at Fresno State? Well, actually, before my sophomore year even ended, I wasn't doing the little stuff. Uh, now, I turned it around, took those 17 units, got eligible. Uh, you know, still had to go to study hall, do this and that. I, get, I ended up with like a, 3.86 uh, grade point average after the first semester of my sophomore year. So they, okay, Johnny, no more study hall from you. You know, you're doing it and you're getting the job done. And I guess I let that go to my head and I quit going to class again and started hanging out. Supposed to be in class, missing in the conditioning sessions and Colson just, you know, he got tired of giving me chances and left me home on a good road trip. And I just never came back from that. Yep. So did were you dismissed from the team? Did you quit the team? Oh, uh, oh, here, here, here's how it went down. He, uh, he left me home on a road trip. They come back. I report to practice, and I was just, man. Like I said, I had a baby on the way, a two year old at home. My grades are failing. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm in practice. And I can remember uh, getting the ball in the paint, and San Diego come down to rip me, and. You know, he. I just felt he was being a little bit aggressive, and I just think all my frustration came out on him at that time. And I, when I tell you I went at him with both hands and they all had to grab me, uh, it, it just ended kind of bad. And Colson threw me out the gym. At, the, at that time, it was the North Gym. And I can remember taking my foot and just kicking the door off the hinges. They was like, holy crap. And I just never recovered from that, man. Kicked the door and ended up in the locker room with my hands, my head in my hands, crying like a baby wondering what's going on here and just that was it that was my last practice and my last time at the uh, fresno state yep wow and i ended up in the truck five years and then resurfaced at fresno city in 98 at the age of 25. <laughs> is that when you played for coach sevs 
Yep, when he came over, was helping out Benny I at Fresno City. Yeah, I knew Seb, you know, because he's from Dallas yeah. and met him a few times, and you know, he was there, and <laughs> we had a blast. Okay, so what was that like? You go, like, you go, you stop playing at Fresno State, you decide to become a truck driver. Then what? What made you be like, hey? Let me go back and try this. Let me go back and try this again. Let me see if I can re resurrect this basketball career. It's just my love of basketball. And I remember when me uh, telling my kids, mom, I'm like, uh, you know, I ain't got no problem. You know, we, you know, I got kids, you know, I'm married. I'm going to support, you know, do what I got to do. And I said, five years, I'm going back and finish my education. Maybe not necessarily basketball, but I'm going back to school because I want to show my girls, you know, a good example, you know, mm -hmm. and I want them to get their college degrees. And the, the way for me to do it was with basketball. And I remember calling Danny I, and he thought it was a hoax. And, I, you know, he was like, who? Who is this? And he was like, he remembered me because he tried to get me to go to Columbia when he was at Columbia and up in Sonora. And um, he he came one day and picked me up from my house. And me and my girls, because my wife was at work at the time, and I quit working to go to summer school and get eligible. He'd come pick me up. And me and my kids would go out to the gym, work out with him, play a little ball. He, he, he knew I was serious, and he allowed me on the team. and. <laughs> And that team there was loaded with kids. Kids, I mean, these are 17, 18-year-old kids that, you know, you guys know, like Terrell Lade, Ramel Curry. They had a guy named Terry Miller with, like, 22 from the Bronx or Brooklyn, New York. Uh, six foot eight, could shoot the three. And uh, we had a kid from South Carolina at Fresno City was six foot ten. Didn't make the grades coming out of high school. South Carolina State, no, South Carolina and UNC were trying to hide him. He ends up in Fresno. and. Somehow he just ended up back at home, but this guy could jump out the gym. He reminded me of Sean Kemp. <laughs> oh wow! Now that team was loaded, man. We think I think we went thirty-two and four and lost in the final four to uh, uh but somewhere that we was down at Irvine playing and we lost to uh, Cerritos. Cerritos ended up winning mm -hmm. it all, and we had beat Cerritos in a Modesto tournament by like twenty that same year, and them kids came out and kicked our butt. <laughs> so what was? So now you go, I imagine, right? Like you were always kind of like the party animal, the guy mm -hmm. who's not going to the workouts. Were yep. you then now like a leadership role at Fresno City? Kind of just like, hey, I've been through this. I know what you guys are thinking about going mm -hmm. through. Let me give you some advice. That's the way it started. And for some reason, toward the end of the year, well, I, I hung with him the whole year, but toward after basketball was over, that leadership role that I had and the, the example of, because I remember the kid from South Carolina telling me, I seen you playing high school uh, or in college at Fresno State on ESPN a few times when I was a kid. I can't believe I'm on the same team with you now. You know, I'm like, holy crap. And when the season was over, I just quit going to class again because I was driving every day from Dallas Palace. I was mm -hmm. living out in Dallas Palace at the time, separated from my wife and was driving every single day, you know, for the love of basketball and doing, doing everything I was supposed to do. And I remember Coach I calling me one day and just chewing me out, you know, because I quit being a good example and I quit showing up after the season was over. Yep. So we're just hanging out. So you're get done, school's over, right? You're done. What, like, were you, did you have some offers where, because I imagine your D1 clock is over. So now it's, mm -hmm. you're looking at, I'm guessing like it's D2s, NAIA, stuff like that. Were you, oh, yeah. were you getting yep. offers then as well? At City? Oh, yeah, I had plenty, plenty of D2 offers, NAIA offers, you know. Uh, actually, it would have been like three years of eligibility, you know. And But my thing was I had with Coach I, he was going to let me, you know, I told him I wanted to get into coaching. 
And after I got done with him, I would, you know, start helping him out there at City College if I didn't want to go play anymore. And I just couldn't get myself back into that, uh, you know, that basketball conditioning that I needed to run with those guys, man. And I just wanted to get into coaching. And, you know, I didn't finish the season, but I ended up going back and going to summer school and getting all, you know, everything I needed so I can get myself in a position to coach. And that's what happened, you know. And But, he, you know, me and Coach I are still good friends to the day. He just wanted to, you know, see me do good. And he was a good guy, a real good guy. Yeah. So did that work out? You actually got to do, get into coaching there at City College? Nope, because of the way I ended. I quit going to school and hanging out after the season was over with, and he wouldn't let me come on the board. And I, you know, I don't blame him, you know. And uh, I ended up just working a little bit here and there and uh, going back in the truck, and I was trucking three times a week, uh, going to summer school, I mean, going to school on Tuesday and Thursday, and coaching. I was a head basketball coach at Mendota High School, the girls' varsity coach, and I was doing you know, taking care of the family and coaching it, you know, it, that's what I wanted. And I was sacrificing and it, it, you know, it was, it was fun and it felt good to be doing all that. You just loved so, to drive, didn't you? You were all, all over the Valley. Yeah, I guess that I would, I, I would, I would come to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, driving a big rig. I can remember shooting down to Arizona, hustling back up just to get to class on Tuesdays and Thursdays and go to Mendota high school every day coaching there. <laughs> Mendota, that's, yeah. that's a drive too. I mean, that you're, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to do some timetable here, doing some Mm -hmm. math in my head. This is why I'm a special ed teacher, not a math teacher. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you're coaching at Mendota, right? And then Mm -hmm. where do you go next after coaching at Mendota? Oh, this will throw you for one right here. So me and my kid's mom ended up being separated while I was at Mendota. And, uh, I ended up leaving Mendota and moving back to Fresno and was working at Joe's Hoover High School with Jeff Smith. <laughs> oh, with Coach Schmitty. Okay, so. Yeah, because I played with Schmidt at Fresno City. Yes. And he ended up being the JV head coach at uh, Hoover. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Peter Sharkey was coaching the boys' varsity. He, he come out of retirement, remember? Yeah. And took over. Yeah, ended up going to a Valley Championship, helping, helping out Coach Sharkey, who I knew from 7th and 8th grade basketball camps at uh, Fresno State. <laughs> okay yeah okay because i remember because i played at clovis high coach schmidt schmidt was uh one of our assistants and he just got done playing at cal state mm-hmm. monterey and mm-hmm. so yeah i remember him going to hoover got a teaching job was his first like teaching gig and i like he was in the process of like i think sharky was like grooming him to take the program over i believe mm-hmm. okay. he ended up leaving to going over the sunny side remember yeah and I was going to go with him there, but I'm like, man, I got to work. You know, I'm divorced now, but I got to make sure I pay my child support. And yeah. And then, you know, I was just living in Fresno, kind of still partying, coaching here and there, working seasonal. And, you know, I was taking classes all in between two and uh, ended up landing a good trucking job and stayed there until I got into that accident about, what, four or five years ago. But before that, I ended up having a gastric bypass that went bad. Oh. And that's how, you know, yeah, I ended up, uh, having like 13 surgeries and that's when the, the painkiller thing kicked in on me. I, I, I quit drinking. I quit drinking for like 10 years. Ended up having no surgeries and ended up addicted to painkillers. Dang. Yep. Yep. And ended up in rehab down in Detroit somehow. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. So I got out of de- go ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. You, I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay. So I'm working, driving the truck and, uh, you know, we, get those 13 surgeries or whatever, ended up addicted to painkillers. 
get into a truck driving accident, not because of the painkillers. Ended up off work for three years, not driving, and uh, put together that little AAU team with some kids from the rural areas, you know, to get them a chance to play mm-hmm. with some, you know, bigger school, bigger guys and competition, and reconnected with Mike Polisi at yeah. Selma. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. How you ended up in Selma? That's what okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I put together that team, and one of the kids I had on the team, I felt was going to be something Stroud. down the line, you know, with, with basketball. No, no, no. Before that, I had okay. a kid from Dos Palos here. He was six foot six, sophomore. Ended up going to Mike Penbridge. And then Mike, yeah, Mike uh, had that skills, little cap a mm-hmm. few times at Fresno Christian. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking that kid there, running there in the coach Polisi, and he got wheels there. And he's like, hey, you got that little travel team, right? I said, yeah, you know, it's just a little rural kid, just give him a chance to play. And he said, do you mind if we'll play with you so he can get some reps? I said, yeah, we might win some games now. He said, well, can Tyveon play with you, the Stroud kid? I'm like, heck yeah, these kids need that. And we added those two kids to the AAU team, and we started winning games. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Who's so the, up, that's how I ended up at Selma High with Coach Police. Who was the kid from Dos Palos, the 6'6 kid from Dos Palos? Uh, his name was uh, Gavin Godinez. Okay. And uh, he was he was, he was was a six foot six sophomore guy, good handle, and, well, he's a barber now, and but he just – Ended up, his, he went through a lot, man, like personal stuff, family, okay. and, you know, grandmother ended up passing away. But he, you know, I still hang out with him, you know, and he cuts my hair, and he, he you know, he's a good kid, good kid. He's been through hell, though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So when you were coaching at Selma, were you living in Fresno, or were you commuting from Dos Palos? Because that's a whole nother guy. I, I was living in Dos Palos, driving, drove down there for two years to work with Coach Police, and I loved it. Yep. That and is an quit, absolute commute. Yeah. When he retired, he... Johnny, I want you to have this job. I said, Coach Police, I don't want to drive no more. Not these two years down here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And they ended up hiring, you know, the, the, the football kid, Johnny, to take over the program, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he wanted me to help. I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. And then in between that time is when I went to rehab out in Detroit. And I'm like, well, man, maybe no one will take me because they think this is a negative. And a lot of people are like, no, it's not a negative. You know, you, you manned up, did what you had to do. And people should look at this as a positive and may want you around their kids to, you know, Finally, be that example you should be. So I ended up with a uh, Kyle out in the fireball. Oh yeah, Yano goes. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up when I get out of rehab. That's a like, shorter drive, hey, and that's a shorter drive for you too. Yep. And he was like, "Come on, I don't care where you've been." You know, I told him. You know, I told him I'm fresh out of rehab. I, I ain't driving. I want you know maybe substitute teeth and coach, and you know, and ended up over there with him, and that was a good gig. Yeah. And then he ended up leaving to go to Clovis, right? But now he's yeah, back. He ended up but now and he's now back. he's back. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and hopefully I'll get a chance. Well, he, you know, he, everything he's been doing to get his program back going, he's been emailing me with just in case, I, you know, nice. he's a good guy, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He never actually, but, he never actually left Fireball. He was still teaching yeah. at Fireball, but coaching yeah, at Clovis yeah. High. Yeah. He was hoping to yeah. get a teaching job in Clovis. Yeah. And see, I interviewed for that job the, when he left. And yeah. I interviewed for the girls' job there, too. But here's, a, here's another story. I've, I've been reached out to probably three to four times for the job in Dos Palos. Finally interviewed, I think, right before I went over and worked with Kyle. And still, they didn't hire me. They hired a football coach from the next city over, from the rival, Los Banos. Mm-hmm. And people see me sitting with the fireball guy, and they're like, what are you doing here with that red and blue uh, shirt on, you know? You working with fireball high? I'm like, yeah. Well, why aren't you coaching? I said, I interviewed for it. They said, so you mean to tell me you're here at fireball, our rival, in the gym coaching against us with your picture outside in the Hall of Fame and your jersey in the glass. I said, yeah, me and the kids 
the fireball finna walk down the hall right now. They want to take pictures in front of my jersey and all that. <laughs> you know, that's ironic. And I'm like, hey, it is what it is, though, you know? Yep. yep. I've seen that. So, I mean, I've seen that. I don't have no animosity. They could use you right now. But, hey, I tried, man. <laughs> you know, I tried a number of times to get that job, but I finally gave up on it. <laughs> kind of sounding like me with the Clovis High job. Kind of just, <laughs> kind of just comes to a point in time, you just, hey, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So I finally had to quit. You know, I got no animosity towards them. You know, I had all, you know, all those kids and parents. And some of, you know, some of the parents I grew up with, they got kids there and wondering why. And I said, hey, it is what it is, man. You know, yep. All right, so that is the next plan, I'm guessing, is you're trying. Would you, if you say hypothetically, Das Palace calls you this next year and is like, we want you to take over boys' program, girls' program, would that be something you would do? Yeah, but see, okay, that's when I, okay, I, I had quit driving and I was helping a coach Kyle, and then I was just sitting around not really doing nothing. And, you know, I had been out of rehab probably like a year or and a half. And I was like, you know, this Dallas Palace town is kind of different these days. And I said, you know, I still got my truck driving license. Let me drive for a few months just to, you know, get away from here, you know, break mm-hmm. the anatomy of everything. And ended up driving across country the last two years and not coaching at all, you know. And when I first started back driving, Dallas Palace High School called me telling me, you know, we want you. We know you're here. It's pretty much your job. I'm like, you sure? Because I'm going to make it back in town for that interview. I go to the interview, you know, get my nice three letters from some nice coaches and doctors from the Valley, you know, and nothing. <laughs> and that one really killed me. Yep. Wow. Yeah, they're just, just yeah. stringing you along. Yeah. And I'm, you know, it was only me and two other guys interviewed for the job, you know. And, I, and like I said, I had, I had a, 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 some nice letters of recommendation, you know. Made sure to get some good ones for some influential people from the valley, you know. Yep. Wow. Well, maybe you wind up in uh, out in uh, Los Banos, the other side there, and really show them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's been offered over there, but you know, uh, I kind of like you know co- coaching with Coach Kyle. You know, he's a real you know hard nosed basketball guy, you know, and I like that. So you know, at the worst come, not the worst come, the worst because it ain't a bad situation. But I end up back in fireball with him because I just. Stop driving again. So, yep. Yeah, I, I like Kyle. Kyle's a good dude. Kyle's a really good mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, he, you know, he always included me in on everything and everything. You know, so, like, you know, some of the places you go to, they don't. You know, I don't know. I don't know how I'm saying this right, but he always made sure if he knew if I couldn't make it, it was a good reason. Just like with Coach Polici, you know, they always made sure if I needed this or I needed. I'm like, no, man, I'm okay. You know, I just had something come up. You know, because my yeah. dad passed away during that time period. And he's like, one thing, you know, like I got into that trucking accident for a reason to get out of that truck and take care of him when he was going through what he needed to take care of. And, you know, I did that with him for the whole year. And then, you know, like on his deathbed, he was like, uh, just make sure you take care of the house and your mom. You know, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and I did that for a whole year. I got to go back to working. <laughs> but I got back out, man, because, you know, getting kind of rough around these parts sometimes. So I'm here with my mom. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so maybe Fireball's next. We don't know. I'm trying to think. I know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they've played a game yet either this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they've had some COVID difficulties. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. I think they're yeah. trying though. Well, they're trying. Yeah, he, you know, I've been reading the emails, and you know, he got he got even a 
schedule already for the summer league and stuff like that. So, you know, they, they're working on it. Do you still run your uh, little rural AAU team, or are you still doing that? Are you thinking about bringing that back? Or I'm thinking about it because, uh, like I said, some of those boys that played on that team are now, you know, 20, 22, yeah. 24 years old, and they still love basketball. They they even play, like, on a, a men's lead out in Mendota, you know, and I'm okay. like, hey, you guys want to get some boys together? Some of them got younger brothers, you know, we can start bringing them along. And, yeah, I'm sure enough thinking about it, yeah. If not, we, we're thinking about renting a building and, uh, you know, maybe getting some kids in there and get them some fundamentals at an early age. All right, so I got to ask you a question, Johnny. Mm -hmm. Who were the five best players that you played against in the Valley when you were in high school? Oh, yeah, this is a good one here. That I played against or with? You can play with, with or against. Okay, well, Carl Ray. <laughs> You know, I played against him all the how many yeah. times in my first two years of high school. Then ended up playing with him at Fresno State. So, Carl Ray Harris, uh, Curtis Trout. I don't know if a lot of people, you know, he got the kids playing now, but they, 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 their dad, Curtis, six foot five beast. Oh, wow. Uh, Coach Q, you know who Coach Q yes. is? Mark Jones? Fresno State. I'm a freshman. Freshman played against him when he was at Union. Okay. And, uh, man, he was a beast. They, they, you know, you used to call him the best D2 player ever, right? I did, not know, that. I did not know that. He went to yeah, he went to um UC Davis up north, remember? Yeah. They used to call him back in the day the best D two player ever. <laughs> that guy could play in that paint. And um uh probably Pat Ripspringer, you know, you talking about yeah. Valley guys. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is the number one guy. And if you guys Google him or ask anybody about him, hands down, Steve Rankin. Okay. Me and Steve Rankin go on our recruit trip together at Fresno State. He's coming out of Fresno City playing for Steve Cleveland. Um, Edison High School, one or two years with Charlie Ross from Oakland. He's from Oakland. Six foot five. What just everybody wanted to play with him because he was gonna get you know, he's gonna get like ten to fifteen assists. And if you was a big man, you wanted him on your team. Oh yes. He would come to the gym with Dickies, <laughs> a white T shirt. <laughs> Sometimes put his quarter beer down, Chuck Taylor shoes, run the gym, get his beer and take off. <laughs> and man, we came into Fresno State together and he ended up going to like Georgia State or somewhere and playing down there, come back to the Valley. And I guess he got into a little trouble and was missing for a while. I ended up talking with him on the phone last week and I was like, wow, Steve Rankin, this guy could fly. Here's the story. He, he, he played at Fresno City with Cleveland. They had a guy named David Sloan. Sierra High School. And if you guys are familiar with Sloan, he ended up at Fresno City playing basketball. Steve Rankin puts him on the poster. Dave quit playing basketball, ended up playing football at Fresno City, <laughs> turned it into a scholarship, ended up playing for the Detroit Lions for like 12 years. And he had like, what, seven, eight years ago, they voted him the best physique in the NFL. That kid was from the Valley, David Sloan. But Steve Rankin ran him out the gym, and he ended up quitting basketball and becoming a football player. <laughs> so hold on, he got dunked on and just got embarrassed, and so he's just like, "I'm just going to concentrate on the heat." That's hey, a smart move. He's it, like, worked, it worked out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's crazy. But Steve Rankin, if you man, that guy, man, I I never seen nothing like him, man. I mean, you, I seen you know Jalen Green play. Mm -hmm. He's what six 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 four, but Steve was a point guard. They was comparing him with Magic Johnson. This guy could play. Yep. Dang. So, mm -hmm. so it was fun. Real fun time. <laughs> Who, 
I'm trying to ask blanket here. Who who was the you said uh you go through your top five again real quick. Carl Ray Harris, Steve Rankin, Pat Riddlespringer, Curtis Stroud. Oh, and it was Coach Q. Coach Q. And Mark Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just talking to yeah. a buddy and he was telling me you gotta get Coach Q on the show. So maybe some maybe sometime we'll get Coach Q on this thing. Oh man, he's big time, man. Remember he used to work for uh he did broadcasting for the Kings for a number mm-hmm, of years, yeah. worked for ESPN on the backside, the NBA office out in New York. And he, he, he's the one who put me back in contact with Coach Seb. I run into him. He, he was a neighbor out in the, uh, on the west side of Fresno with uh, my ex-girlfriend's um, parents. And he would come over every time we barbecued out there. And I was like, Mark Jones? He's like, yeah. Said he had seen Coach Seb, and he said, man, Seb want to see you, you know, when he was with the Clippers, you know, come to a game. I said, oh, now I don't bother nobody like that. No, nah, here's his number. You know, he wants you to call him. And that's how me and Coach Seb ended up back reconnecting about seven, eight years ago. That's hey, good stuff. That is awesome, awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, man. Well, dude, we, uh, we, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on and telling the story. They got a lot, so many good stories, man. So I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to join us. Man, I appreciate you guys, man. I love telling them stories. I'm sorry I couldn't get into the studio, but hey, maybe one day we'll bump here somewhere out there. But I appreciate it, man. Thank you. No, thank you very much, Johnny. It's been a right. pleasure. Hey, if I ever get up, I ever get a gig, my own gig again, you'll be one of the first people I call. I promise you that. And I, I know you. I know you got Dallas Dallas ties, and whoever out this way. <laughs> You know I like to get on that grill in the kitchen or whatever. I'm always cooking, so you you ever come out this way, you let me know. We make sure we have you a nice plate put together. I appreciate that. I'll never turn down free food. (laughs) I appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a good one. You you. too. Take it easy, Johnny. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Off the Bench podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench.